Not long after I started following Christ, my mother became so sick that my father had to carry her to the car to drive her to the doctor. Unable to diagnose her condition, the doctor admitted her to the hospital where she grew worse. All the Christians I knew at the time believed that miraculous healing was an everyday occurrence. I decided that it was God's plan to heal her. Like the blind man in John 9.3, I thought God had allowed her sickness so that the works of God might be displayed in her. What better way to show my parents the truth of the gospel? With my heart pounding, I stood at her hospital bedside and prayed, but nothing seemed to happen. Instead of getting better, over the next few days, she grew worse, and then she died. But I continued to pray, thinking that what God had in mind might be even more remarkable. I'd read about Jesus raising the dead in the Gospels. Maybe that's what he planned to do. My father had asked the funeral director for a closed casket ceremony, but if God could move the stone from Jesus' grave, surely that would be no obstacle. I prayed on. I think you can guess how this story ends. Someone has said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. But if that means we can force God's hand by praying, I've found it to be otherwise. To me, prayer seems more like a discipline of waiting than an act of call and response. I'm not saying that God never grants my request. Sometimes he does. But he rarely seems quick about it. God takes his time. Days, weeks, months, and even years may go by without any signs of movement on his part. The irony, or perhaps I should say the awkwardness of this, is that Jesus claimed that God is not slow. In the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, Jesus promised not only that God hears those who cry out to him day and night, but that he will see that they get justice, and quickly. Luke 18, 7 and 8. It seems that my definition of what constitutes delay and Jesus' definition disagree. In his parable, a widow goes to a judge with this request, Grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time, the judge refused. But when she kept coming to him, the judge said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't wear me out. Jesus aims to contrast the disposition of the judge with that of God. The comparison in the story turns on the similarity between the widow's experience and our perception that God is ignoring us. Jesus says that God doesn't delay, but it often feels like he does. What then are we to make of the apparent contradiction between God's haste and our experience? Those who claim the most for prayer tend to lay the blame at our feet. God can do anything, they say. If our prayers go unanswered, it's not his fault. The reason must be our insufficient faith or our lack of perseverance. Maybe we've secret sin or some other spiritual impediment that places an obstacle in the way of God's answer. The power is God's, yet somehow, at least for them, we always seem to be the key that unlocks it. Jesus' parable implies the opposite. Where the widow is concerned, all the power lies in the hands of others. She can't protect herself from her adversary, and she can't control the judge. 
Despite the helplessness of her position, nevertheless, she displays a kind of brazenness through her persistence. She keeps coming to the judge with her plea, despite his repeated refusals. One can't help wondering why anyone would do such a thing. It couldn't have been based on her confidence in the judge's character or his sympathy. According to Jesus, he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. The only plausible explanation is that it was her own helplessness that made her persevere. She had no one else to whom she could turn. Jesus' point in this parable is really a counterpoint. God is not like the judge. If the widow can be so persistent with someone who has no natural regard for her, how much more should we persist with God, who cares for his own? In other words, the point of Jesus' story seems to be that the real situation when it comes to prayer differs from our experience. The key that unlocks the parable is the language of the widow's petition. Most of the translations say that the woman asked for justice against her adversary. We immediately think that this is a request with a terminal point. She's looking for revenge. She wants the judge to render a decision against her opponent. Most of the prayers we pray are like this. They may not be prayers for vengeance, but they are terminal in that they have a specific fulfillment in view. We want a particular job. We want God to heal our disease, or maybe we need money to pay a bill. There's nothing wrong with such requests, quite the opposite. It was Jesus who taught us to pray for daily bread. No request could be more concrete than this. Furthermore, the bread which Jesus teaches us to ask for is a non-renewable resource. Once eaten, it will be gone. And anyone who's prayed the Lord's Prayer instinctively senses that the point of the petition is not terminal, but ongoing. We know that having asked for bread today, we will need to ask again tomorrow. We grasp that this is the lesson of the prayer for us. The God who fed us today will also feed us tomorrow. The widow's request in Jesus' parable is similar. The word that some versions translate as justice really means protection. What the widow was seeking was not fundamentally vengeance on her adversary, but relief from his oppressions, theologian B.B. Warfield points out in an essay on this parable. Although there may have been punishment inflicted on the man, Warfield explains, punishment was not the main end aimed at or obtained. It was only the means by which the real end of relief and protection was secured. The widow's request was actually a plea for ongoing protection. Warfield points out that Jesus uses her language to say that God will do the same for his chosen ones. When he promises that God will see that his chosen ones get justice quickly, he is giving a gracious assurance to them of the unfailing protection of God amid the evils which assault them in this life. Warfield's clarification eliminates the seeming contradiction between Jesus' application and our experience. God hears us when we cry out to him night and day. When God hears, he responds immediately. Although he may not always grant us the particular object of our desire, we can be sure that he will act in our interest. Warfield expresses it beautifully when he asserts that the intent of Jesus' parable was to deny that God is indifferent to the sufferings of his people, and in its most natural interpretation, it declares that as his ears are always filled with their cries, he will not be slow to act in their defense. 
I've often wondered why God's failure to heal my mother or subsequently raise her from the dead didn't shatter my newfound faith in Christ. Perhaps it was because I knew that I wasn't confident in my prayer. I was young in the faith and still had many of the rough edges of my former life. Maybe it was because I realized how audacious the request was. Maybe I didn't believe he would grant it to begin with. But I'd like to think that even in the infancy of my faith, I understood the point that Jesus made in his parable. That God's ears are always filled with the cries of those who are his. And no matter how he may respond to our specific requests, he is never slow to act in our defense. In one of his sermons, Clarence McCartney called prayer the word that conquers God. What is the word that turns back the shadow of death on the face of life's dial? What is the word that gives songs in the night and that lifts the load of guilt from the conscience-smitten heart, he asked. That mighty, all-prevailing, God-conquering word is prayer. Perhaps the old poet who said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world was right. But if it's true, it's not because we can strong-arm God with our prayers. It's because prayer moves the heart of the one whose hand moves the world.